Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Good morning, New Covenant Church. It's a blessing and an honor and a privilege to be with you today. And I feel such a sense of gratitude from the Lord that I get to serve you with the Word of God today. You know, I uh, have the privilege of speaking at different churches all around Southeastern Pennsylvania. With Netzer, we're working at bringing unity in the body of Christ and bringing pastors and leaders together, connecting churches to support one another in loving and fruitful relationships for the sake of the glory of God and the furthering of God's kingdom mission for us together. And what I want to invite us to uh, in this moment is one of the things that is one of my favorite privileges that I get to enjoy when I go from congregation to congregation and church to church. I have this privilege of being able to invite a congregation to pray with me for their pastor. And I don't know about you, but I, I, there's a deep desire inside of me to pray for the leaders that God gives us. And we know that's a command from the Lord, but we also know that it's our privilege to pray for those who God puts in authority over us. Because frankly, when we pray for them and bless them, we know it's also praying blessing back unto us. And we know the call to pray for our pastor, but at times in a worship service, it can be a little awkward for a pastor to say, all right, let's all stop and pray for me. <laughs> you know, and, but when I'm coming for, as someone from the outside, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to pause and pray together for the leadership of the church. So if you'll just join me right now, we're going to take a minute before we get started with the text, and we're just going to pray for the leadership here at New Covenant. Father God, we honor you and we bless you as the head of the church. All things come from you and all things return to you. You are God Almighty. You are the firstborn among the dead. And when you bring us new life resurrected out of the tomb and you establish your church, when you ascend on high, you scatter your gifts among us and you appoint some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be shepherds and, and evangelists and teachers. And you anoint leaders to guide us in your presence. And so here and now, Father God, we just want to join with you at the right hand of the Father Jesus as, as we intercede for Pastor Bob, for his beloved Denise, for Bishop Grannon, for Dr. Hyacinth, for the other leaders of New Covenant Church. We lift them up in the name of Jesus. And we ask that, Father, you would provide protection, provision, and blessing on every level for them. That, God, the secret place of their heart would have a deep connection with you and you would protect it on every level. We ask that the circumstances of their life would be protected. The relationships in their life would be protected. And that, God, you would strengthen them in the resolve. You would strengthen them from any discouragement. You would bless them with the still quiet directing and leading of your spirit so that they can lead this congregation more fully, more deeply into your presence and into your mission. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, again, I'm grateful to be with you today. And I understand that 
Pastor Bob has been taking you through a series on faith. And I love the whole topic of faith. And when Pastor Bob told me this, I got excited that I get to jump in and add my two cents into the series on faith. And today I want to talk a little bit about faith over the long haul, the long journey of faith. What does it look like to sustain faith for a long period of time? You know, one of the things that's important for us about faith is that we recognize faith is really about depending on God instead of depending on ourselves. And we're tempted so often to think that in order to receive the best of what God has for us, that the, that the most important thing is that we knuckle down and give it everything we've got in order to acquire everything that God can give. And in the process of our own self-discipline and, and of exerting our strength and effort, at times we can get to a spot where we become self-dependent and we lean more on our own efforts than we leave on, lean on the providence of God. We're tempted to think that receiving God's best is there's an equal sign between here's God's best and, and, and my effort equals how much I receive of God's best. But faith offers us another thought, a deeper thought. It's of course not against how much effort we put in. It's not telling us not to put in effort. But what faith calls us to is understanding that we reap things that we did not sow that we receive grace that we did not earn. There's a passage in Colossians chapter one, Paul's praying for the church in Colossae, and then he tells them why he's praying for them. And I want you to, to receive this with me. It's from Colossians chapter one, starting in verse 10. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. I would stop here for a second, and if you were in the room with me right now, I'd ask for a show of hands. Who wants to please the Lord in every way? Who wants to live a life that's worthy of the calling? God has given us life and has invited us into his mission. And we get to journey with God in the very mission of the kingdom. Who wants to live a life that's worthy of that? Who wants to please the Lord? Paul's praying that that would be the case for the church in Colossae. And in order to do that, he kind of expands on that a little bit by saying, bearing fruit in every good work. That we'd be able to, to reveal the fruit of God's character, God's nature. The fruit of the Spirit would be pouring out of our life in every good deed. That we would be growing in the knowledge of God. I'm reminded here that our purpose in life our mission, our, everything that God calls us to. It's the same thing that he called Adam and Eve to. It's the same thing that he called the nation of Israel to. For all of eternity, the call on us as humans is this, that we would know and glorify God. That we would delight in God and that we would reveal his nature. That we would know God and we would show God. And this is what it says here is that we would be able to bear fruit in every good work, revealing God's nature, showing God, glorifying God, and that we would grow in our knowledge of him, that we would personally grow deeper in our connection with the Lord. And this is how Paul says that the prayer 
in order for those things to happen, the prayer is this, that we would, in verse 11, be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Did we catch that? Not our might, not our self-discipline, not our strength, but that we would be strengthened with all the might of the living God, the creator of the cosmos. All of his power would be instilled into us, his children. Why? So that you may have great endurance and patience. Think about this with me for a second. God wants to take all of his power, all of his might, all of his strength, and he wants to put it inside of us. Why? So that we can have endurance and patience. I don't know about you, but I don't often think of endurance as patience as that central in the whole walk with God. And this is what it says, that we would be able to joyfully give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. So here's how this passage works itself out. The end of this text, what it's saying is God has an inheritance for us. We are the children of God. And there's something being passed on that as we are born again into the family of God, the very DNA of Jesus is imprinted on us that we are born of Christ. We are born of the spirit and the very nature and character of God is our inheritance. It's working itself out in us and he has designs for us. He has mighty things for us. He has beautiful things for our life. But in order to receive the inheritance, what this text is saying is that we need to be able to joyfully give thanks in all circumstances. And in order to do that, we need patience and endurance. Because God is wanting to give us the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his gospel, the fullness of his inheritance. But in order to receive it, we need to go on the journey with him. Because it's in the journey that he's giving us this inheritance. And we need to learn to be able to acknowledge and praise God in all of our circumstances so that whatever is going on, we're able to receive in that situation, in that circumstance, the inheritance he has for us. That he's drawing something out of us in that circumstance. And in order to stay joyful, grateful, full of thanksgiving in the midst of all circumstances, we need patience and endurance. And in order to have patience and endurance, we need the power of God. Which means if I'm in my own strength, I'm going to get weary. I'm going to grow tired. But if I'm waiting on the Lord and trusting the Lord, then he's going to strengthen me in a way that allows me to still have joy, still have peace in the midst of tumultuous circumstances and, and difficult situations. And when I do that, I will be able to receive more from him of what he has designed for me. So this is the long road of faith. And on this long road of faith, I want to talk about one thing in particular related to patience and endurance. You see, I believe that we are in an epic battle in our times. And it's a multifaceted battle. 
There's different fronts in this war. We're being assailed and attacked on various levels. But one of the major battlefields of our day right now is the battlefield of time. And I don't just mean how we use our time. I mean how we view our time, how we understand time. You know, there's a big difference between sin and iniquity. Sin is when I do something I shouldn't do, when I miss the mark, when I don't do things the way God called me to, when I do something that separates me from God. That, a single sin is when I choose inappropriately, choose wrongly, rebel with God and step away. But iniquity is different. Iniquity is when sin has become so systemic, so regular, so common, that I can sin without ever making a choice because we're all in this whole culture of sin and I'm not even aware of it when I'm choosing sin. I don't know if any of you have uh, love for the ocean, but I love the ocean. And one of the things that is crazy about the ocean is how powerful it is. And if you're in the ocean, it can just move things around and, and you don't even notice it. There's been times where I've gone out swimming in the ocean and I, I get where I'm not touching anymore. And if it's a strong current that day, I can be looking out at the waves and swimming around. And then I turn around and look back at the beach and realize that I've moved way down the beach and never knew it because the current just took me down. And I'm losing my place. I'm losing where my towel is, where my family is because I've been washed down, not knowing it because I was just caught up in the current. Cultural iniquity is when there's a strong current that has kind of redefined what is right and wrong so that I can live in ways that are inappropriate, but not even have my conscience pricked about it. Not even know, I'm not even making a decision about it. I'm just going along with the current. And then I turn around and realize, man, I don't even know where I am anymore. I don't even know which way is home anymore because I've been caught up in the current. This battle for time, this battle around time, what I believe is, is there's a cultural iniquity that we're dealing with in the Western church, that we're dealing with here in America and all around the church. I believe that this cultural iniquity that we're dealing with is we are redefining the values and ethics that we believe in around time. We are changing what morality is related to time. Let me explain what I mean. Patience has never been easy. It wouldn't be a fruit of the Spirit if it was easy. We wouldn't need God to do it within us if it was easy. And we talk about love, joy, and peace as the first three fruits of the Spirit. And often we'll just say love, joy, and peace, but the next one is patience. It's the underrated fruit of the Spirit. Patience has never been easy. It needs God working within us in order to have patience. But here's the thing is that all throughout history, we have understood as humans, by and large, that patience is a virtue, that patience is a good thing. As a matter of fact, you know, Ben Franklin, Philadelphia's own, not even necessarily a believer, understood this. He says, he who has patience can have what he wills. 
Historically, it was understood. Leo, Leo Tolstoy, the great Russian author, he says the two great warriors of our world are time and patience. Many people of the past have understood that if you can harness yourself and the way you view time in a way that allows you to be patient, it's amazing what you can actually accomplish. It's amazing what you can do in society if you can actually be patient. But here's the issue. Is that right now, in our society, we are moving away from believing that the ethic, the value around time is being patient, and we are replacing patience with efficiency. And we believe that it is more important to God, and it is more important to be good, that I be efficient with my time, than I be patient with my time. You know, waiting is never easy, like I said, and all of us are waiting for something. I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for that job or waiting for that promotion. Maybe you're waiting for that loved one to find their relationship with Christ. Maybe you're waiting for that healing you've been praying for for a long time. Maybe you're waiting for a place of injustice in your life to be reconciled. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship to be brought back together. Maybe you're waiting for that, that physical healing or maybe you're waiting for a spiritual healing. And many of you are waiting for a vaccine. We're waiting for things to go back to normal. You know, sometimes waiting is painfully slow and boring and we feel powerless. There's times where we want to see something happen and it feels like there's nothing we can do about it. And we're just waiting and it's boring. My kids can tell you all about that. But sometimes waiting is more on the side of endurance. Um, I'm doing what I need to do, but I'm having a hard time because I'm not seeing the breakthrough. And waiting in that case is not boring, it's exhausting. And instead of just feeling powerless, I begin to feel hopeless. And that's about a long-term endurance. Whether you're in a place of waiting that feels boring, or whether you're in a place of waiting that makes you have to endure, and you're getting weary, the scripture has a unified message on what we need to do in the situations that are difficult. And that is we need to wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Not just waiting. There's a big difference between waiting and waiting on the Lord. I can kind of check out and just become passive and say, well, that's on God. He's got to do it in his time. In the meantime, I'll go over here and do what I'm going to do and what I want to do. That's not waiting on the Lord, right? Waiting on the Lord is, this is what the Lord is saying. This is what needs to happen. I'm supposed to put my hope there. I'm supposed to put my vision there, my eyes fixed on there, but it's too painful to stay looking at that God because it's not happening. But he says, wait on me, wait on me. And the longer I have to wait for a promise of God, the more I have to learn to lean into the presence of God. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life where I've been going after something and it just gets old. And when I'm not seeing the productivity that I want, when I'm not seeing the fruit that I believe the Lord has promised, man, whew, it can test me. It can test me. What makes it more difficult is when in the culture that I live in, everything is saying that my value is based on how much I produce. That the amount I can get done in my life speaks to how legitimate I am as a human being. And this is why efficiency has replaced patience as the value. Instead of the old sayings of, of the past, that patience is a virtue and he who has patience can have what he wills and good things come to those who wait. Instead, our culture has begun to replace that with maximize the moment. And you snooze, you lose. And there's this pressure within us to pack as much into a moment as possible. And we even have scriptures that we can justify that with. Make the most of the time because the days are evil. As if what God was actually asking us to do in that is to jam as much as we can into a single minute. But when we look at the context, what God's actually saying is, is that in every moment, God is here. The Holy Spirit is present. Jesus is move, moving. And in the midst of this moment, no matter what the moment is, make the most of it. Find where God is. Give thanks in that circumstance. That's what it means to embrace the moment, is to be present in the moment. But we're stuck very easily between the value of patience and the value of efficiency. And let me give you a, a, some illustrations here. One, I was at a red box uh, with, I was on a, a vacation with my family and we wanted to, we had, we had watched a film, I don't know, some Disney film or something with my, my kids. And I was taking it back to this store, this little grocery store. And in the back of the store, they had a red box where you go to take the movie back, you know? And it was this small store and there was a whole bunch of people there. It was about to rain. So everybody wanted to get a movie. And there's a big line and there's families who were in the line. And, and the first family was like a family of five or, or more. I forget exactly how many. And I remember everybody wanted a different movie as they were looking through the movie library. And it took them about 10 to 15 minutes to pick a movie. And there's a huge line of us behind them. And the guy who was standing in front of me, like me, he just had a return, you know. And, and, and at the red box where you could rent the movie is the same place where you had to return the movie. Well, well, what happens is that this guy's starting to lose his mind because he realized how long it's taking just for one family to pick a movie. And there's other families in line and he's starting to lose it, you know, and he's just like, oh man, it's going to take, and he's starting to sweat. I can tell he's getting really frustrated. And uh, finally, when that family moves on, before the next family had the chance to move forward, he takes the movie that he has in his hand and he puts it up next to his face like this so that no one could see his face. And he tucks his shoulder and he runs up to the red box and he says, I just have a return. I just have a return. And he's tapping the return button and trying to stick the movie back in because what was going on in this guy's heart and in his mind? 
I imagine was not just a lack of patience. It wasn't just that it was hard to wait. It's that he had a conflict inside of him. There was people in the line and, and he was trying to respect, you know, the, the line and respect their time as well as his. But the problem is he probably had someone out in the car waiting for him or he had another appointment he was supposed to get to. And here he is caught between the fact that on one level, he feels like being patient is respectful. But on the other level, it is just wrong for me to waste this amount of time. And there's something inside that's almost a conviction level that says it's wrong to waste that time. How can I stand here doing absolutely nothing just to respect those people? And if we want to feel that a little more acutely, all you have to do is drive on the Schuylkill Expressway or on 422 and realize that if someone cuts someone else off, you shaved, you know, a tenth of a second away from me. But man, the hackles get up. Good churches, good lives, good movements, good relationships, good businesses. They're not built overnight. They're built over a long period of time. It takes a great deal of endurance, a great deal of patience. God wants to give us the gift of patience, of endurance, because he wants to offer us things that are actually valuable. And those things take time. He has inheritance for us, but to receive it, we need patience. This does not mean that our call is to be passive. That's just being lazy. The call is to be tenacious, active. But that activity, that tenacity, is not about trying to get as much done as we can. It's about trying to be as aware as possible of the presence of God in every situation. That all of my effort, all of my work, all of my labor is to stay in Christ. Hebrews 4 gives us this amazing verse. And it says, there is still a day of rest, and that day is called today. Make every effort or strive to enter into that rest. You know, rest isn't about inactivity. Rest is about keeping pace with God. When my heart no longer has peace, when I'm feeling the tension and the pressure about what's not, being get, what's not getting done, sometimes I need to stop and I need to look forward and see if maybe God's out in front of me and he asked me to obey him and I didn't obey him. And maybe the reason I'm feeling tension is because I haven't stepped into that thing that he's called me to. Or maybe, and perhaps more often, I need to look back and realize that God is back here behind me. And he hasn't asked me to do the, some of the things that I'm doing. But I've stepped out in front of the Lord. And I lost pace with God. The problem with losing pace with God is it means that I will not have the endurance to last the long haul in faith. Keeping pace with God 
is vital to receive all the fullness of what God has for us. I remember one day I was about to leave to go to Indonesia to speak at a conference for missionaries over in Indonesia. And I was running around trying to get everything packed and get ready to go and make sure I caught my flight on time. And I went running into a store. This was pre-pandemic. I didn't have a mask on. And I, I went into the store just to grab something quick to pack, to take with me. And I walked in the store and the clerk was behind the store. The sales associate was there. And as I was walking past him, he was a young guy. And I just said, hey, how's it going, man? And he said, not good. That's not what you're supposed to say. People don't say that. Like when you ask, how are you doing? Like people don't actually care. You know, like when you ask, how are you doing? That's like a, just a nice thing. And I asked the guy, how are you doing? And he says, I'm not good. I don't have time to deal with that right now. I'm trying to go overseas to teach missionaries about Jesus. I don't have time for your problems, you know? And that's where I was at. That's where I was at. Like a guy blowing past the good Samaritan or blowing, blowing past the guy on the side of the road on his way to the temple. And that's what the Lord reminded me of as I was grabbing what I needed in the store. The Holy Spirit came and convicted my heart. He's like, really, Tim? <laughs> I just sensed it. Oh, man, there it is. So as I go to check out, I said, what's going on? Why is your life struggling? What's going on in your day here? Within five minutes, I'm holding this guy's hands in the store and leading him to Christ. And I could miss that moment, and I would have missed that moment in my own strength. But people have prayed for me that all the glorious might of God would fill me so that I can have endurance and patience, so that I can joyfully give thanks in those circumstances, so that I can receive the inheritance that God has for me. And so their prayers were answered that day in that way. Sometimes we need to remember that in order to trust God, we need to be able to wait on God. God is working on a lot of storylines at once. There's a whole lot of lives and cultures that he's working with. And he knows the right time to move one piece forward to affect all the rest. And so sometimes it feels like God can be slow to answer our prayers but he's managing a lot of things and he's really synergistic. When it all works, it all works. But we have to learn to trust him. As a matter of fact, George McDonald, a mentor to C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, one of the things that he says is that the principal part of faith is patience. In other words, we can't trust God unless we learn to wait for God. Sometimes waiting is difficult because we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And if we don't see light at the end of the tunnel, it's very difficult to wait. My son, one night, he had come back from a, 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 a youth group event. And at this event, they were at this old farm. And at the old farm, he got into these old rotten apples. And he ended up with an infection, like a, an infection on his skin. He also had eaten something that gave him an allergic reaction and he had this eczema happening and he got into poison ivy. He had three major skin things going on in one night and he was just a little kid. And I remember that night 
He was just kind of losing his mind because he was itching all over. And, and the worst part about it was, is that he was like, I don't see any end in sight. And sometimes that's the worst kind of pain is the pain where you don't see any end in sight. And I remember kneeling next to his bed. And I remember saying, all right, buddy, let's not talk about your skin. Let's not talk about what's itching. Let's talk about something else. Just keep your eyes right here. And we're going to talk about something else and I'll stay with you. Focus on me and we'll have a conversation. And eventually he fell asleep as we were talking about something else. And this is the invitation from the Lord. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You can find rest for your souls in me. You know, Isaiah 40, 31, you know it. Those that learn to wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They can run without getting weary because they're keeping pace with God. It's the long haul. They can walk without fainting. God is their nourishment. We need the Lord to teach us to wait on him. I don't know if you've seen, uh, there was that, that old, old movie of uh, Karate Kid. And it's this picture of a mentor investing into a younger man. And Daniel is this younger man who's learning self-defense from Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi has him painting a fence, sanding a floor, and waxing cars. And one day, Daniel shows up at Mr. Miyagi's house and he says, all you ever do is have me waxing your car and sanding your floor and painting your fence. I thought I was supposed to learn to defend myself so I wouldn't get beat up anymore. And Mr. Miyagi never says a word. He just starts throwing punches at Daniel. And all of a sudden, Daniel's reflexes kick in and he's sanding the floor and he's painting the fence and he's waxing the car and he's blocking everything that Mr. Miyagi's thrown at him. And he had no idea this whole time that he was learning karate. You know what the Lord's doing in our life when we have endurance and patience and are giving thanks in every circumstance is God is growing his character, his inheritance in us. He is giving us the very character of Christ in our life through the Holy Spirit, embedding the word of God in how we live and breathe and move. And when the enemy comes at us and when the enemy seeks to distract us and when the satanic assignments come against us and when the cultural iniquities assail us, we will have within us what it takes to resist the devil so that he will flee from us because we have learned to wait upon the Lord. Here's the thing is that God does not treat our lives like they are burgers that are being flipped at a fast food joint. God is cooking up something amazing for our life and we can smell it. We can sense it, but we're sitting in the living room and all the smells coming out of the kitchen because the gourmet food that mama's making is so good, but we got to wait for it. And God is cooking something up in our lives, but he is a gourmet chef with our lives. And we got to wait for the fullness of what God is doing. The temptation is to believe in the strongholds that our culture believes in. You know that Corinthians says that a stronghold is an assumption or a pretense set up against the knowledge of Christ. What that means is, 
is that in any moment where I feel like Christ is not present, where it seems like Christ is not there, I'm tempted to live in a way that causes me to depend on myself instead of depending on Christ. So if there's an area of my life that God doesn't seem to be moving or an area of our culture where I don't see where God is present, that becomes a spiritual stronghold, a place where it seems like it's inaccessible for God. And we are tempted often to think with our time that God doesn't get it. Because God, I only have this amount of time and there's this much that needs to get done. You just don't get it. You're not in this place with me, God. I only have so much time and I have more that I need to do than I have time to do it. So that means I got to shoulder this and put it on my own back and I got to make it happen. If I view time as a place primarily for efficiency, then it's akin to the same thing as saying when it comes to my money, the most important thing to do with my money is be a good steward of it. It's wise to be a good steward of our money, and it is wise to be a good steward of our time. And wisdom is something the Lord wants for us. But God's central character quality is not wisdom. His central character quality is love. And when it comes to my money, it's important that I steward it well. It's important that I live on a budget and that I don't spend like crazy. Very, very important. But why? Not just so that I have enough or that I have more than enough or that I can get what I want. Because there's plenty of people who are wise about money, but don't reveal the character of God. Those who reveal the character of God reveal love. And love with money is generosity. Well, guess what love with time is? Patience. I can be efficient with my time, but loving with my time. That's when I wait in the line and I say, my time is not important compared to yours. It's okay. You can have some of my time. I'll love you with it. I'll love you with my time. We break the strongholds of the devil when we realize God is the God of time. He holds time in his hands. The seven stars, the, the, the celestial the stars that keep track of time for us, he actually holds those in his hand. He takes one of those stars, the sun, and he stops it still in the sky for Joshua in order to finish his battle. Time is in God's hands. I don't know if you've experienced it, but I know I have. That in the moments when I've wanted to shortcut God in my personal time with him, and because I have so much going on in my life, Man, things don't seem to work out. But when I push things back and I say, I'm going to get in the presence of God and I'm going to love God with my time. It's funny how the rest of the stuff seems to take care of itself. Time is in his hands. All right, as we are nearing the end here, what I want to do is I want to share with you a story from scripture of one of my favorite people in all of scripture. This is one of my absolute heroes in scripture. Her name is Anna. And in the church calendar throughout history, the season that we're in right now is the season of Lent, the season of preparation for Easter, searching ourselves for Easter, understanding the words of Christ and the life of Christ leading up to Easter, to Passion Week. 
But Anna, the story of Anna is one that we find in the time before Christmas, Advent, where we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ and the birth of Jesus. You know, this word Advent, what it means is it means appearance. Jesus appears. God appears among us. And Anna is a person who's waiting for the advent, waiting for the appearance. She, we're told, was married young and then after a short period of time lost her husband and became a widow. And then she spends the rest of her days, decades upon decades upon decades, in the temple fasting and praying day and night waiting for the consolation of Israel for the redemption of Jerusalem. She was not the only elderly person in the Advent story. There was a number of others. One of them was another person in the temple, a man named Simeon, who was also waiting for the consolation of Israel and was able to maintain faith over a long period of time. So an an amazing story about Simeon. But there was yet another priest, and his name was Zechariah. And you remember Zechariah, don't you? The father of John the Baptist. And you remember that he had been waiting for a long time too. And he had been disappointed too. His wife could never have a child, and it just broke his heart. We know that the priests would go down on rotation down to the temple to serve in the temple and they would cast lots to figure out who the one was that would go in and serve in the temple. And if you received that honor once you were done for your life, here's Zechariah, an elderly man who has never had the privilege. The promotion always passed him by. Everybody else has grandkids or great-grandkids. He has no kids. Everyone else has been in the temple and he hasn't. Life has just served him up melons. It's been really difficult for him. He he lives the lemon life when everyone else is, is living the fruitful life. And it was hard for him to maintain faith and maintain hope. One day, you know, everything changed for Zechariah. You remember, he goes down to the temple and that day, The the lots get cast and he's chosen and he goes into the temple. And as he's in the temple, he gets to be the one to offer the prayer for the consolation of Israel, for the redemption of Jerusalem. And here he is in front of the altar and he offers it up. Oh God, would you redeem your people? Boom, an advent, an angel shows up right in front of him. Your prayer has been heard. Man, how many of us would love to have an angel show up while we're praying and saying, I got that one. Give me that one. I'm going to answer that one. And that's what he's saying. Your prayer has been heard. But after all the years of disappointment, Zechariah had lost faith. He had lost hope. And so even when the good news came, he couldn't receive it. Even when the appearance took place, he couldn't see it. Fortunately, God was gracious. And he just gave him an extended timeout, told him to sit down and keep his mouth shut for the next nine months and think about it. It Took him nine months to regrow his faith. And by the time his mouth was opened, he was praising God again. Anna and Simeon are a different story. On that first Christmas, 
It wasn't the little kids running around excited about the presents. The most excited people in the whole story seemed to be these elderly two people, Anna and Simeon, and the others waiting for the consolation of Israel. And there's this amazing thing that happens for Anna. She's been praying and fasting day and night. She's been waiting in the temple for decades upon decades. And the thing is, is that who knows what she's seen or hasn't seen. She might not have seen any movement at all. But on the day when God appears in his temple, when the day when, when Jesus himself comes into the temple, the text tells us she just so happens to be walking in as Simeon grabs the boy and lifts him up and dedicates him to God. You see, Anna had learned over the years to not get out in front of God and to not lag behind God, but to keep pace with God. And so her faith endured. And at just the right time and in just the right moment, she was able to be there for the advent. Advent is the root word for adventure. Advent means appearance. Adventure means what will appear. When you go on an adventure, you don't know what's going to happen. It's an adventure. That's what makes it an adventure. You don't know what's going to happen. I call Anna, Anna the adventurer. And it's funny to call someone an adventurer when they stay in the same place for like 80 years. And yet she was an adventurer because every day she was waiting on the Lord for the appearance. And when it came, she was ready. Unlike Zechariah, who was not ready. This is what I want to encourage us with today. Whatever it is you're waiting for, whether it's boring or whether it's painful, whether you've been praying for decades and waiting on the Lord, or whether there's some acute pain that you want relief from, whether you desperately want to see the promises of God fulfilled, whether you've been praying for spiritual awakening in Philadelphia and revival of his church, whatever it is that you are praying for, I encourage you today to wait with courage, wait with strength. May you be filled with all the fullness of God's might so that you can have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father that you may receive the inheritance that is yours in Christ Jesus as a child of the light. God will make you shine. God will bring for all to see the fullness of his light within you as you wait today upon the Lord. He will prove himself faithful today. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, that you would be able to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That's his will for you. And it takes great endurance and patience. But we will receive together as a church the inheritance that God has for us as we learn to more deeply and more fully wait upon the Lord. Join me in prayer. How many times, Father, has my faith been tested because I've wanted to see something happen quicker than 
your timing. How many times have I rushed in to, to make something happen? And how many times have I given up in something that seems fruitless because I'm not seeing the results that I want? Oh Lord, teach us to wait upon you. Teach us to know your word and to embrace every moment with your presence and to receive the fullness of the inheritance that you have. Father God, I ask that you would fill our hearts with adventure, that we would be those who, whether we're in the same house during a pandemic and not able to go and do what we wanna do, that we would still have hearts full of adventure, waiting to see today, how will you appear, God? Today, what will you do, God? Today, how will you bring your kingdom to bear? My eyes are fixed on you. My heart is steadfast on you. My mind is fixated on you. I cannot wait to see you move. No matter how difficult my circumstance, no, how pain, no matter how painful the situation, we look to you. Oh God, our rest. Oh God, our healer. Oh God, our strength. We trust you. You who for the joy set before you endured the cross, scorned the shame, sat down at the right hand of the Father. We look to you there now and ask that your intercession for us would be that you would fill us with all of your strength, that we may endure with great patience having the faith over the long haul. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.